Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. Um, But you know, I realized that the one thing that the devil robs so many people from, and I see it almost daily. Anytime I talk to anybody and I get them to open up and start talking about their dreams or their passions or their life or their hopes or what they're focusing on, what they want. Every single person says pretty much the same thing that's holding them back. And it has to fall under the umbrella of comparison. And maybe you're comparing yourself to an old season that you used to be in, or you're comparing yourself to what your parents said you should do, or you're comparing yourself to family members and how your sisters are, or how your brother is, or how your husband is, or you're comparing yourself to friends or to people on Instagram, to coworkers. We compare ourselves a lot without even realizing it. It's so much so that I realized that when I'm on Instagram, sometimes I go and check certain people's Instagrams just to make sure that like, I'm still doing good. Like I will go to their page and be like, how are they doing? Like, oh, let me just see how they are. People who aren't in my life anymore, um, old coworkers, old friends, people, I'll just, I find myself going there and it used to be a lot. Now it's not as often, but I do still go there. I went in, um, I actually just did this yesterday and I was like, I wonder what she's doing. I wonder how her reels are going. I wonder how her posts are going. And I look and I'm like, oh yeah. Okay, good. Like, I'm like, good. Why am I like, oh, okay, good. Like, oh, good. My stuff's doing better. Like wh- this isn't, this isn't a competition. And it's not like if they, if I don't succeed, they don't succeed or, or if they succeed, I can't succeed because they're succeeding. Hi, Jeanette. Glad you're here. You know, like it's not about comparing and it's not about ripping each other down. There is a truth statement that you can say, if you're someone who is stuck in this comparison mode and you get jealous and we all do. And I'm here to tell you that I do get jealous too. I will look at people that have more than I have or have what I want or they're further along or success is happening to them or a thriving marriage or something is happening that I'm not receiving in that moment. And I will feel that jealousy in me for a second. But what jealousy does is it blocks the goodness from happening to you because your focus is now only on the things that you don't have and the lack and the limitation. And I want this and I don't have this. So what it does is it changes your mindset from being grateful and being present and having a good attitude to why not me? Why isn't this happening? Why don't I get this? Nothing is working for me. You're switching your brain from the glass is half full to the glass is half empty. And when the glass is half empty, there's a lot of things that you don't see. Uh, as Florence Scovel Shin says, you start to miss tricks. So things are starting to happen in your life, but you're missing them because you're not looking at them. 
So for instance, let's say a friend was going to call you and they were going to give you this piece of information that you needed, that God knew you needed. Like they were going to recommend a book. They were going to give you advice. They were going to say something to you, but because you're in a negative emotion in a negative state and you're irritated and now you're thinking all of these bad things, you, you might not answer the phone. And that was what you needed. Or because you're in this mindset, now you don't want to listen to that sermon. Now you don't want to go to church. Now you don't want to talk to that one friend. And that's what you needed to grow past this. The truth statement is if God did it for them, it's proof that he's performing miracles. And my miracle is coming next. If God healed, you know, I have a really, 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 really close friend whose son is battling for his life with stage four cancer. And he's, I think he's seven years old. And I think all the time when I post anything on social media about my kids, I think of her reading it. And I change my words based on what she's going to see because I'll write things like so blessed, like my daughter just got baptized last week and I was writing out the post and I was saying like, I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful that God gave me this life. And I think of someone who doesn't have that life is going to read this post and think, oh, good for you. That's nice. That's nice that God does that for you. Meanwhile, my kid is about to die and we're battling for his life. And so you do have to be careful when you're talking and when you're saying things and be sensitive to people who are going through hard times. But you know how many people I've seen God heal of cancer? And so I just keep holding on to the truth. And I've even told her, if God can heal him, he can heal your son. If God can heal her, he's going to heal your son. And it's proof that the miracles are working, that the miracles are happening. If someone's marriage is being destroyed and then they come back together in unity, it's proof that God can heal marriages. So if your marriage is crumbling and it's still not coming back together, just know that there's proof that it can happen. Or maybe you're single and you're alone and you're, you're just so lonely and you want someone. Well, guess what? God is giving people that are lonely their soulmates. And if God can do that for them, he's going to do it for you. So you need to write the truth statement and read it out loud. If God is doing this for them, he is going to do it for me. And switch your jealousy to this excitement. Like, look, there's hope. It's happening. It's working. You know, we compare so often and it just robs us. I really believe that it's the devil. He doesn't need to take you down. He doesn't need to kill you. He doesn't need to kill everyone in your family, ruin every single thing you have. He doesn't have to attack you like he did Job to get you to get off your purpose. He just needs to tell you that you're not good enough, that what you're doing isn't enough. He gets you to compare your seed to someone else's full-blown tree. And if someone is inspiring you to do something, maybe someone's inspiring you to write a book or to start a course or to get that new job or to just go full force at this new life that you want to create for yourself. But you're looking at the person of you're inspiring me, but I'm also so jealous. I want to be like you. That's the devil in your head getting you to not succeed because God is like, Oh, look, I'll place this person in your life. They will inspire you. Oh my gosh. Now the devil has you like, 
totally doing this the wrong way. And now you're like, oh, I just wish I was like them. And I wish I could do this. And I wish I could be them. If you're doing something on social media too, it's even harder because you can see the comparison. You can see the likes, you can see the follows. You can see what someone else is doing and what kind of results they're getting. So building a business online is amazing. You have so much reach, so much influence, but it also is really hard because you can see the results of what other people are doing. And every person is made unique. And in Ephesians 2.10, he says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. We talk about the scripture all the time, like before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. We talk about things like this, like I formed you in the womb and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. But how often do we hear the scripture for we are God's masterpiece? There's two things that really stand out to me in that scripture. The first one is we are God's masterpiece. Like, do you know what a masterpiece is? Like you see the word masterpiece. Okay, the definition of masterpiece, let's find this. I'm gonna say definition of masterpiece. A work of outstanding artistry, skill, or workmanship. Okay, that's an even better definition. Outsta- they, use, they literally use the word outstanding. That's who we are. We are a outstanding workmanship of God. And we know if you've read Genesis, that God formed us with his hands. Everything else on this world, on this earth, the, the land, the water, the animals, the vegetation, the sun, the darkness, Everything was formed by God speaking it into existence. God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. But on day six, when he made us, he formed us with his own hands. The God of the universe, of everything, the whole reason why this whole thing is existing right now, like the the whole idea of this world and life and us being here and, and everything that we do is because of God. And that creator formed you by hand because you are his masterpiece. And then my, the other part that stands out to me in the scripture is it says, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God already knows your whole story. He already knows the ending. He already knows what you're going to fulfill. He already knows the successes you're going to have. He already knows the failures you're going to have. He already knows the temptations you're going to have. Nothing happens that God's like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. I don't know what to do now. This really threw a wrench in my plans. He already knows what to do. So the reason why we struggle mentally and we find ourselves in the valley, the reason why we don't have the things that we want. We don't achieve the things we want to achieve. We don't have the job we want. We don't live where we want to live. We don't surround ourselves with the people that we want to be surrounded with. It all comes back to your belief about yourself. 
And if you can think that you are less valuable than another human being doing something, then the devil wins. If you feel like I need new friends, I need a new community, I need to do something different in my life, but then you get worried like, well, am I going to be able to do that? Are people going to reject me? What if I can't find a church? What if I try to go there? And people, all of a sudden, the fears will start going in your head. The limiting beliefs will start going in your head. You'll start thinking, well, I don't know. And last time I went to church and I felt rejected. And what if it's one of those things again? And what if the people don't want me in their life? And what if I, what if I apply for all those jobs and I don't get one? Or what if I get the job and then I don't like it? Or, you know, what if I go there? They're not going to hire me. Look at all these other people sitting in here that are looking for a job too. They're not going to hire me. And we think of ourselves less. If you have children, I want you to think of two of your children, just two of them. And Michael Todd did this in his YouTube video, Cuffed to Comparison. If you haven't listened to that yet, go listen to it. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. Um, he brought two of his kids up on stage, two of his daughters. One was a little baby who's like one years old. And the other one was his other daughter, who's maybe eight or nine. And he's like, can you all do me a favor? I got to choose between one of these. Uh, let me, can you help me compare these two girls together? And we're going to pick which one's better. And when you think about that, like you think about your two kids, like, okay, which one, which one is a better child? Which one, and I'm not saying better behaved, which one would you pick? If you had to pick one, which one would you pick? you probably wouldn't be able to. Now, some days it might be an easy choice. <laughs> some days you're like, this is easy. I know who I'm picking. But when we really get down to it and we're serious, you cannot pick between two children. It's the same way that God isn't gonna pick between two of his children or he is not gonna compare between two children. And the reason why we can't compare, my, my twins ask me this all the time. They're almost 13. <clears throat> They'll always be like, mom, which one's your favorite? You know, I'm your favorite. Just tell us, just tell us that I'm the favorite one. And I say what every mom says, what my mom said when I used to ask her this, I love you all differently. You are all unique to me, but I love you the same, but different. And I never understood what that meant until I was a parent. And I realized I do love you for different reasons, but I do, my love is still the same. And you can see these, these things in your kids, or maybe you don't have kids. So think if you have like nieces or nephews, or think of your friend's kids that you're really close to, that you're maybe involved with, or just think if you have a sister, like think of a sister or you have two sisters, great. If, if one of these people that you're thinking about cannot be you, that's the best way to just think about it. So think of like two sisters, two friends, two people that you love. And you can see the amazingness in each one of them for who they are. You can see like, you're so funny, you're intelligent, you're witty. This person is you know, maybe super creative and they always have the right thing to say. And they're super humble and they're connected to everyone. And you can just see the differences in people. And why can't we see that in ourselves for good? we know some things that are good. Like if we go to a job interview or someone asks us like, you know, tell us three attributes that you bring to the team. Like you can think of things like, well, I'm always on time 
and I always try my hardest and, you know, you can think of these things, but when it comes to these like big things in your life that you want to accomplish, that you want to become, maybe you have that defined and you know what it is. And you're like, okay, this is the goal. Like for me, it's writing my book and it's life coaching. Those are like the two biggest things for me that I know are in my future and I need, I want to get there and I want to do it, but I'm not there yet. So maybe you have things too, that you're like, I know that this is like one of my goals in the end, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. Or maybe you don't know what that is yet. And you're still stuck in like, I have no idea what I want to do. I have no idea how God's going to use me. I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what keeps me up at night with passion and excitement. I don't know what makes me pound my fists on the table and weep and out of anger because I'm so passionate about helping a certain group of people. If you don't know what that is, then that's why I had to create the course, find your purpose, because a lot of people I was talking to, and I would be talking about goals and what you're going to accomplish and what are the next steps and keep showing up and praying over your business and praying over your career and praying over. And then a lot of people that I would talk to would also say, well, I just really need to make money. But I, and a lot of them were moms. I want to make money, but I, I don't want to go back into work. I don't have money to pay for daycare. I don't want to leave my kids. I, I want to provide for my kids. Now, a lot of my friends are having kids that are all going into school. So they're like, now I don't have anything to do come the fall when my kids are back in school. I should get a job, but I don't know what I want to do. I've never really done anything. I, I don't really have a career that I love I, or I went to school for something, but I don't really love that. And I want to contribute financially and I want to feel like I'm partaking in the world and helping people, but I don't know what to do. And that's why I had to create that course. Because I'm like, okay, hold up. If you don't know what sets your soul on fire, you have to go back and figure that out. You can't just blaze the trail because the trail is going to be blazed by your passion. It's going to be fueled by your passion and your inspiration. But if you don't have inspiration and passion, the trail's never going to be blazed. So you have to go back. And until you know what you were created for and exactly what you're here on this earth for, you're going to keep like in your head comparing, you're going to keep just thinking down about yourself. You're going to keep worrying. You're going to keep stressing. You're going to, this is constant, like negative feeling. Hi, April. Glad you're here. So you have to know what your purpose is first. And that's why that course was created. It was literally only created out of a need, but it goes back to, and April, I'm actually glad that you got on right now because you've done such a good job at this. You might not know what your purpose is and there's no amount of education and courses and praying and reading that is going to help you figure it out. You might have to get to work. You might have to put it into practice of, okay, let's see. I'm just going to start doing stuff. Let's see how it goes. Let's see what feels good. Let's see what feels bad. And I believe that that's not just a one-off, like, oh, April's so crazy and different because this is her. Everyone knows their purpose. This is the majority of people, including myself. This was also me where I thought I knew what I wanted to do. Like once I joined uh, an industry and I took a leap and I was like, okay, I'm going to be in this new industry of sales and marketing. I'm going to do this. I really realized that I love 
to pour life into people. I love to encourage. I love to inspire. I love to motivate people. Like I love it. I could do it all day. And so I was like, okay, this, this is it. I found my thing. But then over time, there were a lot of things about that career that I didn't love. That was just ripping my soul from me. And I hated it. And so I, I came to the crossroads and I'm like, okay, I know I like this and I don't like this. So now I'm going to pivot and try to do something different. And I tried to do something different and there were things I liked about it and there are things I didn't like about it. And so I came back to the crossroads and thought, okay, I like this. I like this. I like this. I don't like this. Let's change again. And you have to keep doing that because everything that you do is a stepping stone to your next path. Just like when you walk up a mountain or let's talk about skiing again, because when I did, when I skied over the winter, I realized this a lot. You don't just go straight down when you're on the mountain. You, I went straight down. That's not what you're supposed to do. I could not for the life of me figure out how to turn and keep going. You know, I saw all these people like being dropped at the highest lift and they're going down, they're going this way and then this way and then this way and then this way. And here I would come and I would just like, whoosh, like straight down. And I'm like, I'm trying to turn and I can't turn. You can't just go straight down. Yes. Is it the fastest way to get to where you want to go? I mean, physically, yeah, but it's not the best way. You're not going to learn the best. You're not going to have control or let God have control. And you have to do this stagger up and down. Even if you're climbing up a mountain, people don't just go straight up. Like, okay, here we go. We're going straight up. No, they go on an angle back and forth because it's not as hard and your body can endure it for longer. And so you're constantly going to be swaying and pivoting the rest of your life. If there's a change that happens in your life, especially if it's a big change. If all of a sudden there's a huge change in your life, this is not your life ending or things not working anymore or, oh no, I'm like, this is not working. I lost my job or I lost this relationship or whatever it happened. This is the next step into swaying and pivoting and moving into your next direction. The devil wants you in your head thinking, this is it. See, look, you suck your family, but that's not what it is at all. This is the next step. You need this experience. April says, I hated skiing. Yeah. I think it was my last time skiing for sure. I told my kids that I'm like, I think I'm just, I don't have enough experience in this. And I think I'm getting too old. And if I fall, like, I don't want to break something. I really needed to ski more when I was younger so I could build that. <laughs> I think I'm done with skiing too. Um, um, never again, threw my stuff and went into the bar. <laughs> Bye. Um, uncomfortably pushed through. It's messy and a little chaotic, but you'll naturally gravitate to what fits you. I think that that's really important to say too. Like you'll naturally gravitate towards what feels good and what's good for you. And not just what feels good in a bad way, because obviously we don't want to just live a life of just grabbing things that feel good. But when it comes to your purpose, and your soul and what you're supposed to do, you will naturally do things that do feel good to you. And so April did that. She, she quit her job and started a new one and was like, okay, let's see. What do I like from this? What do I not like from this? Took that, gathered that data, 
not that data and then went to and I don't know why I like had that southern drawl and then the next one is she's like okay now I started a new job and she's even said I know that this job is from God I know it there's so many things that pointed to me and told me that this was God but now she's like okay there's things I like and there's things I don't so now what am I going to take from this job to further me into my career what did I need this for and I love April when you said that you know that God gave you this job to reignite your fire and your passion and to get you like into that mode again of like let's go what have we been waiting for why are we just sitting around like let's come on like what is the thing that I'm supposed to be here for and if you don't know your purpose at all then the course can be found at mentoringthemasses.com. And if you have any questions before doing it, there's a ton of information on the page. But if you have any questions, DM me. Just send me a message. Ask me any questions you have. And please pray on it because I want you to do this because God says you're ready to do this. I don't want you to do it because you feel like, oh, okay, I just got like hyped and tricked into doing this. I want you to truly be like, I'm ready to find my purpose. I'm ready to be focused on it. I'm ready for God to use me. And I'm ready to do the things in the course that Taryn says to do. Because there's things in there that I tell you to do and you have to do them for it to work. And this will connect you to God because God is the only one that can tell you what your purpose is. Because as the scripture says that I just read, He has, sorry, I was trying to find where I was going to read. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He put these skills in you for a reason. Like, Caitlin, you being a nurse, he put that in you. The ability to memorize all of that information. Like, I tried to go to nursing school, I did a class. And I was like, yeah, this just isn't for me. I don't think that God wanted me to be a nurse. <laughs> like the, the fact that you can just study that stuff and it stuck with you and you're, and you are excited about it and you have the desire to help someone and you have that nurturing ability and you are smart when it comes to remembering that stuff and pulling it out and using that information you might think that like, yeah, it's no big deal. I mean, I'm a nurse. Millions of people are nurses. It's not a big deal. But not everyone has that ability to do that. I do not. And I could not. Be, I mean, I could. Like, yes, of course, we could do anything we put our minds to. But my natural, my natural makeup isn't nurse material. But my natural makeup is motivational speaker material. And that comes natural to me and that excites me and, and we're changing the world in a different way, but we're both doing it. So whether you're creating something that brings someone joy or you're serving someone that helps further someone else's goal, we're all a part of making this world a better place. But if you're entrepreneurial, like I am, and you're like, I'm not going to be satisfied by just having a nine to five or just having a, you know, three to three or whatever your shift is. Some people are like, I need something different. I don't want to just be an employee. 
And some people do want to just be an employee. Some people are like, I don't want to own my own thing. I don't want to start my own thing. That sounds terrifying to me. Like my mom and I are very much the same, but we're very different when it comes to this whole like entrepreneur thing. She's always like, I just can't believe you like, like to do that stuff. Like, I can't believe you would like want to do a podcast. Like you, you like to do that. You like to like get on there and like wake up in the morning and talk to people like that. Like she's, and she just cannot understand it. And when I started businesses and all these things, she's like, I can't believe that you want to do stuff like that. And it's because we're different. Every single person is different. So if you're looking at someone else's lane, like think about driving in a car. I would consider myself a pretty good driver. I've never been in an accident where it was my fault. And I've been driving go-karts and golf carts and four-wheelers and all of that stuff since I was probably four. And so I've had a lot of experience and I think I'm a pretty good driver. But sometimes when I go to change lanes, I get really paranoid that someone's in my blind spot, mostly motorcycles. And so I'll like look and I'll look back and then I'm like, okay, I need to look again. And I look again. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, I should, you know, the, I don't know if they have those signs by your house, but they're all over here that say like, save a life, look twice. And it's like the picture of the motorcycle. And so I like, I'm always like, I should look three times. And I'll go to look three times. And so what I did is I'm like hesitating so much. And I keep looking in this other lane, in this other spot. And (laughs) sometimes my car will like, kind of like, you know, like as I'm like looking and look, I'm like, okay, okay. And then it's like the car kind of moves a little. And really what happens is when you're so focused on the other lane, you don't know what's in front of you and you can't see where you're going and your steadiness and you're moving forward is going to shake because you keep moving. And so you can't be steady in your own lane if you're looking at someone else's lane. Or the horses, we were at a fair last week and these big Clydesdale horses were pulling this wagon and it was this like attraction that you can pay and have this these horses take your family for a ride. And we were waiting and it was crossing the road. And my daughter was like, mom, that's so mean that they have those things in their eyes. And I'm like, no, babe, it's actually not mean. It's putting blinders on the sides of them. They can still see in front of them. They don't want the horses to see what's going on next to them and see the other horses because then the horses will literally start to compare to the other horses and do the things that the other horses are doing and seeing other people. So if one horse sees a person and is like, oh, whoa, oh my gosh, a person like freaks out or a kid like throws something in the air and the horse gets spooked the other horse will automatically get spooked because this horse is spooked. And and it happens like that. So they're like, nope, blinders on. We're going forward. You have a job. There's nothing going to distract you. You know what you need to do. And my husband said the smartest thing I think I've ever heard him say the other day. I, I have Snapchat and I really only have it to be in our family Snapchat group. There's like 40 people in my family that are all in this group. And all day long, we just share Snapchats of our family and what we're doing and where we're going. And it's the way that we all kind of stay connected. And so I told my husband, I'm like, you know, I really wish you had Snapchat so that you could be in the family group chat because there's so many things that happen throughout the day that I want you to see. And I want you to still feel like you're connected to the family. And he's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. You know, you can get me set up. And then he, and then like a minute later, he's like, you know what? Actually, no, I don't want to be in the, in the Snapchat. And I was like, why not? 
He's like, because I have too much of my own stuff I need to focus on. And I don't need to be focusing on what everyone else is doing all day long. I need to be focused on what I'm doing all day long because I have goals and I have a business to run and I have a plan and I don't need to be like taking breaks to watch people at the park and watch people at the petting zoo and watch people, you know, watch my niece taking her first steps. All of those things are amazing and they're great. And they're things that we want to see and we will see eventually. But he really made me look at things differently where I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. You can either focus on yourself or you're not. And if you're focusing on yourself, it means that it doesn't mean that you're ignoring all your friends and you're not helping anyone else and you're telling everyone no and you're not opening up any Snapchats. If you're focusing on yourself though, you're moving forward into who God created you to be. And you might have to unfollow people. You might have to not go on social media. And I've been thinking about doing this like social media cleanse and not just for myself because I've done it a million times, but doing it with other people and kind of broadcasting it. But I challenge you, if you're someone who's comparing yourself a lot lately, the one thing I challenge you to do is to take a seven day break from social media. And you don't have to take a break from posting. If you're trying to build your brand and build your business, and I know how important it is to post every day and to, and to do that. I did a cleanse where I still posted pretty, pretty much every day, but I didn't scroll. I didn't scroll. I had my reels in my drafts and I wake up in the morning and before I get out of bed, I post the reel and I'm done with it. And I'm done with it. I don't scroll and look because when you're scrolling, things are happening in your brain that you don't even realize that are actually happening, but you're scrolling and you're thinking like, oh, she's so good at that. Oh, look how good she is at her makeup. Look how good she is at talking. Look how funny she is. Oh, look at all her videos are so good. Look, she just knows what she wants. She's so good. She's so attractive. She's a, look at how her layout is. Look at how the font is. Look at how her bio is. Look at how, look at her kids. And she always has her kids dressed so nice. And all these things will happen in your head without you even realizing it. I mean, even if you're just watching funny stuff, and you're like, I'm just going to watch just funny videos. Like, I'm going to totally like numb out. This isn't about business. This isn't about a career. This isn't about like moving forward. It's just, I'm just going to numb out, watch like funny TikToks. Well, what's still happening as you're watching them is now you're distracted. And now you're thinking about these things and you're not thinking about what God wants you to think about. So if this is really, especially if you're addicted to your phone, I've had a lot of people come out lately and tell me how bad their addiction is to their cell phone. If that is you, you need to take a seven day cleanse. You should not be on your phone unless you're responding to a text message, making a phone call, answering a phone call, or you're posting a TikTok or a reel, or you're posting something on Facebook that you need to for your business. Other than that, you don't need to. And I know that you can be so addicted to your phone because I find myself having no notifications, nothing I need to look at, but I compulsively go from like my text messages to messenger, to Instagram, to Facebook, to TikTok. And then I'll be like, okay, I need to get off my phone. So like close off my phone. And I'm like, well, let me check my email. 
and I'll go to my email and I'll refresh my email and then I'll look at some emails and then I'm like, well, let me go back to Instagram. And then I go to Instagram and then I'm like, let me see how that reel did. And then I'm back to looking at like how the reel did. Let me see the comments and like, oh, let me see messages. Go back to messages. Oh, wait, let me refresh my email again. Let me go back to Facebook. Let me, and, and I know in my mind, I'm like, okay, get off your phone, get off your phone right now. There's nothing on your phone. Get off your phone. But I will keep like just refreshing and scrolling and scrolling and I don't know if I'm the only one, but I have literally been like, okay, I will watch five more TikToks and I'm done. And then I'm like, okay, five, four, three, two. Like, okay, okay, five more, five more, just five. Okay, five, four, or I look at the clock. And I'm like, okay, at 8.45, I'm going to put my phone down. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, it's 8.53. Okay, at 8.55, I'm going to put my phone down. And then I'm like, oh my God, it's 9.01. Like, okay, now I got to get up. No, 9, 9.10, I'm going to get off at 9.10. And then all of a sudden it's been like an hour and all I've done is just like scrolling my brain. My chiropractor told me something. I've been having this really bad shoulder neck pain thing going on for like four or five months. And he told me about this study that this doctor did. And he took pictures of people out in public that were on their phones and, or on their computers. And then he edited them to erase the phone or erase the computer that was in front of them. And he noticed two huge things. The first thing he noticed was everyone's posture. And when they're on their phone, their heads down like this, even my daughter, I turned around in the car the other day, she was playing on my phone. I turned around the car the other day and I was I like started laughing. I'm like, Skylar, babe, lift your head up. Stop looking at the phone like that. Like, what are you doing? Like her head was literally, like she was literally like this, like just like on the phone. I'm like, lift your head up. Like you're gonna break your neck. So they noticed the posture of everyone that was on their phone, slumped over, neck forward, looking at their phone or on their computer, bad posture, leaning forward on their computer. The other thing they noticed was their expression and their expression was the exact same expression of someone who is depressed. Everyone had that same look on their face because they're on their phone and they're just scrolling, you know, their face is very heavy, their eyes are heavy, their mouth was open or their mouth was closed and it was kind of frowned and they're just on their phone or they're on their computer. And what happens, there's been studies that have shown that if you wanna be in a better mood, you need to smile. And if you've ever worked in customer service, they have told you, they can hear the smile on the phone. Make sure you're smiling when you answer and say, welcome to Chili Peppers, home of the Mystic Tan. How can I help you? You know, like you have to smile when you say it, like, you know, like they can tell and it tricks your brain into being in a better mood. When you smile, it actually starts producing more serotonin in your body and it makes you happier. So if you're addicted to a phone that's ruining your posture and hurting your neck and your back and all of these things by the way that your body is, then also you're, you're making a depressed face for hours and hours a day. You can look and see the stats of your cell phone usage. It was a law that they passed and said that they have this, the, the phone companies have to provide that for you. People are so addicted to social media and phones that there was a huge law that was passed last year that said, you have to start telling people how much they're using this device. So that's why you now can look and see how many hours you spent on each app, how many hours you spent on your phone, how many hours you looked because they wanted you to see this. So let's say you're using your phone. I guarantee you, you're using your phone at least four hours a day, if not more. 
if not more, if you work on your phone, it's even more. Cause when I worked on my phone, it would be like 12 hours a day. And you can see this. And so if you're making this depressed sign with your body, with your posture and your face for four hours, it's affecting your mind. So not only are you comparing yourself and for four hours, you're focused on other people's lives and you're not focused on your own life and what you want and your own goals and your own focus in your relationship with God and who he created you to be and what you're focused on doing. Like I've, I've shared with you guys that I've been really focused. I've been going through this recovery program over the last, um, since the beginning of January, I was really focused on not seeking the approval of others, letting go of control of my life and letting go of my pride and ego. Those were the three biggest things that I was focusing on and I was healing from. And if I was looking at other people's lives all the time, I wouldn't be able to focus on those things myself. That's why I stopped coaching, life coaching and business coaching. And I said, I have to focus on myself. I also took the calls from doing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to just doing Monday and Wednesday. And a lot of times we cancel one call a week or like last week, I took the whole week off. You cannot focus on yourself if you're focusing on other people. And if you're a mom, your whole life is revolved around focusing on other people. And you can't just take a sabbatical from your children. I mean, you can take a vacation. You can have, you know, you can have some time off. You can have some pockets of time without your kids, but it doesn't mean that you stop thinking about them. You don't see them for a week or two weeks and you're still thinking about them all the time. So it's really hard as a mom, even if your kids are grown, it doesn't matter. You're still thinking about them and you're thinking about grandkids. Like now you have kids and grandkids that you're thinking about. It's hard. And you're thinking about your husband and you're thinking about your house and you're thinking about your duties as the wife or the woman of the household. Like it is a lot to already think about. You're already overloaded with thoughts. And so for you to start thinking about something else, you, you need, it's literally robbing you from your own focus. So now the last couple of weeks, the biggest thing that I've been focusing on is being honest, transparent, and sober. Three things that I'm really, really, really working on. Today, it has been 17 days sober and it feels amazing. And I am trying to continue my walk of sobriety and I am trying to continue to focus on those things. It requires me to focus on those things. It requires me to do things that are going to align with those thoughts and those patterns and what my focus is. So watching a YouTube video on sobriety, great. Watching a sermon on transparency, perfect. Doing a Bible study on being honest, Awesome. Talking to someone about it. Great. Looking at Instagram tips to stay sober. Perfect. Scrolling mindlessly, looking and gathering all this data in my brain. Not good. Not good. Not what you're supposed to be doing. So you can either focus on yourself and where you're going, or you can focus on other people. You can't do both. And when you get to a place where you're really healthy, and you're whole, and you are just vibrating with passion and authenticity and clarity and purpose, when you're in that place where you're completely aligned with who God says that you are 
and you're walking on the path with God hand in hand, then you can focus on other people. Then you can say, okay, now I want to coach people. Now I want to create a course. Now I want to write a book. Now I want to look for that dream job. Now I want to start being creative. But if you're still in a place where you're trying to figure out who that person is, where they've gone, who that, who they even are defining who that person is. If you're still in that place, then you really need to just slow down, take a step back and realize that, you know, nothing really can move forward until you move forward. And the only way to do that is to stop comparing is to just stop. And the only way to stop comparing sometimes is to literally just put your phone down. And I've even shared, I, April and I were talking to each other the other day and I was like, you know, I was like really jealous when all of your Instagram reels and stuff blew up and all of a sudden you're having like 10, 20, 30,000 views. And I was jealous in my mind, like deep down somewhere, somewhere like real small, real deep in the back of my mind, I was envious. I was like, oh, like it's awesome for her. Look at her. Like she just gets all these views now. But I knew that that was wrong and I love April and I want her to get a lot of views because I know that she's trying to build a business where she makes a global impact. And I knew that, but I told her, I'm like, I had to stop looking at your stuff because I was, I just had to stop. I had to block it out. I'm at a place now where I don't feel like that. And so now I can go back to looking at her stuff. And yeah, like, like April just said, which is crazy because we are each other's biggest supporters. And we both feel that. And she opened up and said how she felt like that with me and some of my stuff. And she had to keep reminding herself, like, she's been doing this for longer and don't compare and stay in my own lane and keep going and keep going forward. Um, the last thing that I want to say is that I've learned a lot lately through my recovery program that disobedience really blocks you from a lot that God has to offer. And we're disobedient in a lot of ways. Maybe you're disobedient with a sin that you keep doing that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you keep doing it. Maybe it's a, a sin to you like drinking or smoking or overspending. Maybe it's overeating. Maybe it's your attitude, being disrespectful to your husband, being rude and irritated with people out in public. Um, and whatever it can be, whatever sin that it is, we all have sin. We, every single one of us has sin. There's tons of scriptures that back that up. So you are not alone. So don't be ashamed. We all do. So whether it's a sin you're trying to stop doing or God is telling you to do something that you're not doing, like he's telling you, leave the relationship, leave the job, go start a new thing. He's telling you to stop something. He's telling you to start something. And if you're disobedient and you're not doing it, it really is causing a lot of problems. So I want to read something. It was, I was asked to share my testimony at my recovery group this past week. And so I typed it out. And at the very end, I wrote this thing about disobedience. And so it says, disobedience leads us only to insecurity and fear and a lack of internal peace. It creates distance between us and the father and leaves us confused, angry, disoriented, and defeated. It disrupts the flow of our friendship with him, which in turn cuts off the intimacy we need for giving us a clear view of our own identity. This is why the enemy wants us hung up in rebellion and disobedience. He wants to be sure that the freedom, 
vibrancy and authenticity that God offers stays outside of your spiritual reach. That's what he wants to do. By you not listening to God or your intuitive hunches that you have, like maybe you have a hunch that you need to call a therapist. You're like, I really think I'm going to call that therapist and I think I should go. Or I really think I should call that friend. I really think I should check in on that person. These, these intuitive hunches that you have, if you have accepted Jesus to, into your life and as your savior, and you have received the Holy Spirit inside of you, they're not just these weird coincidental hunches. It's the Holy Spirit telling you what to do. And by you not doing it, you're being disobedient. And so it's leading to your insecurity, fear, and your lack of internal peace. And it's creating distance between you and him. You probably feel confused about your calling. You feel confused about who you are. You feel confused about, you're probably kind of angry too, and you're jealous. And you feel defeated and you're burnt out and you're overwhelmed and you're stressed and and it's leading to more disobedience and it's leading to more sin because now you feel burnt out and stressed and overwhelmed. So now you're reaching for a drink again, or you're reaching to smoke again, or you're gossiping, or you're, you're being really critical of the people in your households and you're just nitpicking them and everything they do, you point it out and you're being judgmental because it's how you feel about yourself. But God is telling you to live in the light. There's a scripture. It says, um, I will walk in the light as he is in the light, have fellowship because the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what we learned in recovery. The first step is admitting to God that you have a problem with being disobedient, that you have a problem with sin. And guess what? He already knows what it is. So it's no news to him. It's not like, oh, oh, you are, you're struggling with that. Like I had no idea. He already knows, but he is a gentleman and he has a loving God and he's not going to bust down the door and force you to change. If you don't want to change, he's not going to force you to have a relationship with him. If you don't want one with him, that's why he is love. That's what love is. You can't love someone if they're forcing you to love them. Love comes because you want to do it. So he's waiting for you. And the scripture says, knock on the door and I will answer. So you need to knock on the door and have a a one-on-one conversation with God. Like, I know I've been disobedient. I know I'm scared to do what you told me to do. I know you told me to do this or to stop this. And I'm scared and I can't do it by myself. And I need help. Saying it out loud, confessing to God what it is that you're struggling with brings it into the light. And when something comes into the light where you're like, I'm no longer shameful of this anymore, I'm going to speak it and I'm going to say it out loud and it's in the light, the devil has no stronghold over you anymore because he wants you to stay isolated. He wants you to hold on to this guilt and shame and this sin and this disobedience and back in this dark corner. But when you say, no, God, I'm struggling and I need help. It instantly turns the lights on and the devil flees. And if you have felt bound with this feeling of insecurity and fear and, and lack of internal peace and comparison and worry and all of this, it's, this is where it ends right now is when you confess it and you speak it, you bring it in the light 
and you realize that you are a child of God. You are a masterpiece. The devil is not a masterpiece. He is not a child of God and he is jealous of you. So he is trying to get in your mind and get you to think that you're not a masterpiece or who God says you are. And in Genesis 127, he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. It's the only thing that's in God's image. You are in God's image. You are a king's kid. You're the king's kid. Like seriously, like be like, I'm a king's kid. You don't get to talk to me like that. Do you know who I am? Like imagine being in a kingdom back in the day and, and how they were with kings and queens and the castles and where everyone else lived in the village. Like imagine you're in the village and someone like bumps into you or someone says something to you and you're like, excuse me, I'm the king's kid. Get away from me. Like you don't know who I am. And that's what's happening is the devil's bumping into us all the time telling us that. Like you suck, you're a loser. Your stuff's not even that good. You're never going to be good. It's not your purpose. Do you remember what they said about you? All those people told you that you weren't good at that. You know, and it just is the lies that filter through your mind. So start with having a conversation with God, a real, genuine, authentic conversation where you're being honest. Do it right now. When this call is over, you're done listening to this. Just say it real quick and just talk to God. Tell him what you need help with. He will answer you. Um, the other, the last scripture that I want to read before we get off is John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. We did not choose God. God chose us and he appointed us and said, you are going to go and bear fruit. You are going to go and be successful. You're going to go and do big things. And anything that you ask my father in Jesus's name, he will give it to you because of your obedience. That's when you start to unlock the true fruits and potential that God has for your life. When you start walking in that light. Okay, I love you guys. And I really hope that you get this because you were created for so much more than comparing yourself. You truly are a gift, a living, breathing miracle. When you were born, how you were born, the birth order, the city you live in, the friends you have, the school you attended, the workplace you're in now, you were placed there for a reason. God has big things for you and he just needs you to believe that. And to realize, yes, this is true. I, I do have big things on my plate and I will walk in God's will today. I will be present. I will have a good attitude. I will be grateful and I will take good care of the blessings that God already gave me. That is being in God's will. Be obedient, be in God's will, and you will start to walk forward in the light. Thank you for being here live. You guys helped me to be able to get this out and to speak. I could not do this on a podcast by myself. So thank you for being here for me and being part of my circle. I love you guys so much. Have a great week and a good weekend and I'll see you back here next week. Okay, love you. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, 
help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.